Welcome back to the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. The Weekly Roundup is the show for people who want to stay updated with major developments of the Indian startup ecosystem. If you're new to the podcast, please do subscribe and share it with folks you think will enjoy the show. Now, May was rather a very bleak month for the Indian startup ecosystem, but it was very encouraging to see delivery list at a premium when it debuted into the stock markets. And uh, from the week that was, Country Delight raised the largest venture capital round from the week, followed by JAR and Gen Robotics. We also saw a lot of action in the EV space with fundings going on to build the Indian infrastructure to accommodate it. And uh, along with that, more, more news we'll discuss. But before we get started, Roshan, how was the week for you? It was awesome, man. I mean, we just uh, discussed delivery trading at below the list price on gray, in the gray market. It was very heartening to see that, you know, they had gained uh, big time, you know, when they listed. Mm-hmm. So as I was saying, I mean, it's a fundamentally very innovative business. And at this stage of their journey, I mean, they are spending more than they earn. But you will see soon that that will tilt. And I guess, you know, retail investors also agree with that emotion and the kind of pricing that future uh, prospect in right so so yeah i mean very interesting and good to see some positive news amidst all the doom and gloom for sure yeah. <laughs> all right so let's talk about country delight right now i remember seeing country delight when i used to go to the supermarkets and buying milk i just thought it was like another amul brand out there but uh while i was researching for the round it's actually a d2c brand that deals not only with dairy products but also fruits vegetables and bread and they source this directly from the farms and try to get it to our doorsteps within 24 hours yeah and and with this massive 108 million dollar series d round which was led by venture partners and temasite they will be of course increasing the efficiencies of the entire supply chain today they are doing close to 8 million deliveries a month across 15 cities and while we have seen you know the likes of blinkit and swiggy is trying to optimize deliveries for a company like country dealer i think one of the biggest hurdles would be maintaining that freshness Mm. right because there's a lot of cold storage also happening how do you see things working over here well it's a very complicated sort of a value chain right this whole farm to plate ecosystem per se because there are multiple nuances and especially when you're talking about milk essentials dairy products and so on right i mean it's it, it also has a shelf life it has to be stored a particular way and if you look at some statistics right i mean you know india wastes something like 30 percent of the food that is produced there's a huge huge gap in that entire ecosystem and uh, also i mean there are other aspects in terms of tampering with the quality of milk and not having that you know natural fatness or whatever it is that milk is judged by right and uh, in their promise is literally that that you know i mean imagine if you had a cow or a buffalo in the backyard right i mean we're going to take you back to those times when you would get proper fresh milk at your house they seem to have a lot of love from consumers i was you know going through some of these reviews and so on people do swear by it and it's a very convenient way right i mean you kind of stock up on their app and it gets delivered to your doorstep yeah i mean very interesting background of the founders as well you know i mean none of none of them seem to have like agri kind of a uh, a background all of them seem to be like mba grads uh, you know private equity experience and so on right but again i mean it it kind of reinforces the point that if you pick a large enough problem i think there is definitely value right i mean consumers will respect you and investors are kind of seeing the same thing as well yeah you'll see many more of uh, these kinds you know for for everything that we take for granted uh, like you know veggies or whatever all of these guys will kind of backward integrate as well right i mean the likes of big basket and swiggies and whatever they will go down to the source because that also means that there is more value to capture there's more margins and yeah i mean so this so this is really interesting yeah for sure I, I was really shocked that you know it's a hundred million plus round though i mean of course i mean it merits a lot of money i mean the kind of uh, stuff that they're doing but just came out of left field for me yeah, yeah. but also if, if you look at the unit economics of the space right mm. 
the ticket sizes are of course not that large so the profit you're making per customer is fairly low and in this space we have we have seen some acquisitions so for example yeah. in october 2021 milk basket was acquired by reliance retail and then a couple of roundups back we discussed that how swiggy had acquired a, a super daily but they shut down the operations in five major cities but the interesting thing is see for stuff like milk right milk and dairy and stuff you don't change these things too often you know it becomes part of your behavior how often do you change your neighborhood local milkman or you know the way you get your newspapers or whatever i mean it's, it's your regular behavior although i wonder who gets any newspapers these days <laughs> but yeah that is really what they're betting on and and of course i mean they're adding bunch of these other stuff right fruits and veggies mm. and pulses and what not yeah so let's uh, move on to the next topic jar has closed a 32 million dollar financing round in february this year and is already in talks to raise new funds to scale its product and expand its offering but in india for decades banks and mutual funds have been trying to tap into the masses with financial product and uh, despite investing like millions and millions of dollars they have hardly been able to capture the markets especially when you compare this with let's say a country like usa where more than 90% of the population invests now the value prop a jar brings in is kind of reminiscent of those piggy uh, banks used to like matka piggy banks used to yeah. have and which like uh, collect the coins and what jar essentially does it reads through your transaction details through your smss and rounds it off to the nearest 50th or 100th and buys digital gold with that money now of course a very interesting proposition but how do you see this remain how do you see the scaling it's very interesting right i mean because they, i think they've tuned into a, a popular sentiment which is that most people save after they spend right they don't do the, the reverse right i mean you're supposed to save first and then spend but they most of us i mean we spend and then save right and yeah i mean jar has a very simple value proposition that is if your let's say cab fare is 142 rupees or if you bought something on amazon for 394 or something like that that extra 5 rupees or 6 rupees you could choose to invest in jar and jar will put it in digital gold right which is some kind of etf i guess gold backed securities whatever it is and yeah i mean you don't expect gold to do like you know bharatanatyam right go up and down <laughs> as much you expect it mostly remain stable and it's a way of protecting your wealth so yeah i mean it seems seems interesting it's good to encourage people to save you know i mean i think a lot of the innovation out there is gets us to spend a lot more <laughs> and uh, it's nice to see that you know there's innovation that's helping us save founders also have very interesting background both of them are proper tech folk 15 20 years of experience so yeah very interesting for sure yeah i mean i've been using uh, jar for the past few months and i've been like enjoying the experience have to but it's been a while i've checked like how much money have i either gained or lost all right so i don't think we have really spoken about robotics in the round of for a while so it's good to see that we are gen robotics this week uh, this was founded in kerala and had developed this sewer cleaning robot called bandicoot for phasing out manual scavenging they have received an investment of 20 crore rupees from zoho corp now gen robotics mission is to eradicate manual scavenging in india and provide safety and dignity to workers in the sanitization and oil and gas industries now this is such a fundamental problem that they are yeah. solving yeah. we are talking about you know drone deliveries are talking about you know 10 minute deliveries but these are like the core problems of the society yeah right and the work that they have been doing has been like really great and um, i think they even had invited prime minister modi for for the launch of one of their product yeah and in fact just this morning i was uh, seeing prime minister modi's clip of man ki baat where he was you know really appreciating uh, mr shridhar vembu right uh, the founder of zoho for all of his um, 
help with entrepreneurs, mentoring them, coaching them and so on. See, manual scavenging is one of those jobs that should not have existed to begin with, right? I mean, it's probably the worst of the worst. And uh, I really, really like the fact that these folks are trying to use machines to do these things, right? Because really no human should earn their living that way, right? I mean, it's very terrible. So yeah, I mean, it's a very, very welcome sort of an innovation. Also, I mean, you know, we often talk about, hey, robotics is going to make us all slaves of automation and whatnot. And I think the first degree of innovation will just free up all of our higher order thinking. And it's stuff like this, you know, I mean, stuff like cleaning and those kind of things right yes i mean i think there will be an in-between period where you know the, the the folks who are for example drivers right now driving is one of those ubiquitous jobs anywhere in the world right i mean what's going to happen when we have fully automated self-driving cars everywhere we're going to have a whole demographic of people who are going to be you know left in the lurch right i mean i think it will sort of correct and we will evolve to do different things more that require more humanness right more higher order thinking. So yeah, really happy for this innovation and I hope, you know, we see more of this. Yeah, but I mean, before we see self-driving cars in India, I think before that we'll be seeing a lot more electric cars. And uh, to that front, uh, Blue Smart on Thursday had announced that it has raised $25 million as part of its extended Series A1 round, which was led by BP Ventures and Green Frontier Capital. Now, Blue Smart aims to add 5,000 EVs and scale up its super hubs across Delhi NCR. And interestingly, because of the way Delhi is situated, like so many tourist spots around, like you can go to Rajasthan, Himachal, Uttarakhand, they have also started this long-range EV cap services. Now, that's the first which at least I'm hearing about it. How viable do you actually think would EV be in terms of uh, long-distance travel? It depends on uh, the charging infrastructure and so on, right? Because EV is more fuel efficient, cheaper, more convenient in some respects. Right? But everything hinges on the fact that infrastructure has to catch up. And if you have these kind of ecosystems or hubs where you know people can operate fleets and so on, so that could be like the first level of adoption, right? Before it becomes really mass. And if you remember, I think you know, some roundups back we had mentioned that you know by 2030, if we're gonna have EV majority on the road, mostly it'll be like these kind of things, right? I mean, commute vehicles, passenger vehicles. Yeah. Those kind of trucks, for example, those are ones that, you know, can completely become EV, right? Before, you know, some of uh, some of the other segments, right? Whether it's luxury vehicles or, you know, your two-wheeler superbikes or so, whatever it is. Elon Musk, in fact, had put out an interesting tweet uh, last week on that same note, right? That uh, Tesla will not set up manufacturing uh, plants in India unless sales and service is uh, more amenable. I think there is like a humongous duty on cars, of greater than 40k, I think 40k ish, so which is what he's talking about. And there are contrasting opinions this way and that. Bhavish of Ola, who <laughs> seems, you know, who seems to be in the limelight these days more often than not, had quoted that and said, No, thank you, right? Almost alluding that, you know, Indian brands will catch up and so on. I'm not sure, you know, I haven't really made up my mind about this. On one end, I feel that, you know, Tesla being here will speed up the ecosystem. At the other end, I feel that Indian brands should definitely like catch up and we should be more Atmanirbhar as such. As always, I think there is a middle approach and I think, you know, wiser minds than us are like thinking about these things actively. Yeah, Yeah. also I read this article um, where Hindustan Motors, the maker of the classic yellow taxis, they are also planning to enter the EV space. Wow. Um, I think they signed some partnership last week where they formally entered into the space. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Man, those cars could mow down a building. You know, the amb ambassador cars of age, yeah. right? I mean, uncomfortable as hell, but yeah, I mean, like, really, really sturdy, sturdy cars. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, a great point that you mentioned was how the B2B part will be driving the entire EV adoption in India. And to that extent, um, Three Wheels uh, United, which is a fintech company for EV financing, 
has raised $10 million as part of its Series A funding round. Now, this was led by Delta Corp Holdings with participation from both new and existing investors. Now, what TWU has done is that they've developed a platform to finance, you know, light electric vehicles, which are geared more towards micro entrepreneurs. So think of like uh, your Uber and Ola drivers, your delivery executives or uh, logistics, right? They allow for up to 100% of the entire financing. And interestingly, instead of paying monthly EMIs or yearly EMIs, they are able to charge them on a weekly basis. Mm. That's how the demographic which they're targeting for is actually earning. So this will be very interesting as, you know, they're tapping into the finances of auto rickshaw drivers who actually make money that way. And is also aligned to the lifestyle of these folks. I think more than in cities, we'll be soon seeing EVs fly on tier two, tier three cities. Yeah, yeah. No, this uh, Three Wheels United is very interesting. You know, I just happened to read through a few of their web pages and watch a few videos. They're financing these folks because they believe that, you know, a vehicle is an asset that earns, right? I mean, and it causes upward mobility, which means that, you know, you earn an income and then you move up the societal ladder, so to speak, right? It's very difficult for these folks to get any loans because oftentimes, you know, banks or NBFCs ask for collateral and, you know, a lot of the times the people at the bottom of the strata don't really have too much to mm. show, right? But fintechs like the Three Wheels United are are focusing on transactions, uh, are focusing on other ways to predict risk, basically, right? And, you know, I'm going to be talking to Pushkar of Drip, Drip Capital next week and they, they finance SMEs, basically, uh, right? And I think newer ways of financing are emerging. Uh, where they're using little more of a technology-led approach, data science and so on to figure, you know, what is the risk profile of someone, whether their ability to pay back is good enough or not, right? So, yeah, I mean, super, super interesting. And it's nice that they're kind of verticalized into a like a, a segment of the demographic as such. I think it will help them specialize uh, and be more relevant to that specific demographic than like, you know, go out there and um, serve the world as such, right? So, uh, interesting business for sure. American founder, right? Yeah, interesting. <laughs> So we, we are seeing Indians become CEOs of global or slash American companies and then Americans are coming yeah. and setting. And it's a not profit not for profit as as well. You know, yeah. oh, I wasn't yeah, aware of it, that. It's a not for not for profit, yeah. Cool. So now we have seen a sharp decline in the number of venture capital investments which are going on in the country for this month. Despite that, three funds have launched new investment corpuses this week. Investors India, which is an early stage venture capital firm that has been investing in the country since 2006 made a significant announcement that will be rebranding itself to Athera Venture Partners along with the launch of its fourth fund. Now, this will be close to $120 million, which is more than double its previous fund. Till date, I think they have invested close to 13 startups, including Pixel, which is a space technology company, and Euler Motors, which is an automotive technology startup focused on commercial electric vehicles. They also had a stellar list of successful exits, which includes a policy bazaar that IPO'd, Redbus, which was acquired by Naspers, and Unbox, which was acquired by Netcore. The second uh, investment uh, corpus was by Riverwalk Holdings, which is anchored by Singapore-based Takral Group. They launched a 150 crore rupees fund for investing in India. With a focus on enterprise SaaS, fintech, and consumer tech and brands, the fund will invest up to 10 crore rupees per startup and already has made four investments. Dallas-based early-stage venture capital fund, Dallas Venture Capital LLC, they are finalizing a dedicated fund for India, which will be closer on 20 to $50 million. They also announced the close of its US fund, DVC US Fund 2, at $80 million, 
and uh, plans to invest close to 130 million dollars in enterprise b2b saas startups in india over the period of the next 5 years but it's interesting you know we have seen a lot of consumer startups coming up and right now i mean two of these venture funds are having a focus with enterprise b2b tech yeah no i think enterprise and saas especially right i mean we have a long 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 way to go right because we've been building applications for over 30 years with it services and what not uh and we've picked up enough domain knowledge enough know how to kind of stitch these applications together uh and we're productizing very very rapidly right so you will see a lot more applications serving certain specific domains whether it's retail or finance or whatever else and we have a long long way to go you know? see when people ask me how can i stay enthusiastic even now when all of the doom and gloom i mean i just point them to the data right i mean where are all these funds going to go early stage at least you you're seeing kind of a slowdown in early stage right now because it's a it's a shock right i mean when things like this happen people definitely pause right to reflect on what to do next but obviously i mean it's going to regain momentum right i'll stick my neck out and say that in another 3 or 4 weeks maybe like a month month and half you will start seeing 2021 type type of momentum on you know seed series a kind of deals right i mean it's definitely going to happen because see the other thing is that you can't protect your money by stashing it under the pillow right i mean this doesn't it doesn't work like that where can people deploy their money uh, what what will these funds do i mean funds have raised this money to give back at a certain certain rate of interest to their lps right it's not like they will hold it for as long as you know the the period and then give it back right. with principal and with some whatever else right i mean people are not expecting fd kind of rates like 6% 7% they're not expecting that mm. right they're expecting a proper return rate which is why they're investing in these uh, funds to begin with so yeah i mean i will say this again i think in about 4 to 6 weeks you're going to see that 2021 momentum for seed series a return for sure mm. Uh, i did say that you know you will not see 50 million dollar checks and yeah, yeah there were couple of plus. 50 million dollar checks and there's a 100 million dollar <laughs> check and what not i think growth stage will slow down you know growth stage will definitely slow down on that note you know i mean some of the salaries that you know a few of the larger startups are offering are just like insane like absolutely insane definitely not sustainable and it's a net negative for the ecosystem also i feel because you're just pricing people out of the market you know they're not going to get a 20% or 30% hike ever again on top of that base right so yeah definitely definitely interesting times ahead yeah if you think about it right of course for vc firms like sequoia tiger global that have been in the market for quite a while they have seen the worst of the worst i mean those 2008 recession they survived that we saw a new breed of startup covid happened another breed of startups coming and so i'm pretty sure that people are sitting on that side of the table yeah. they know what they're doing no it's not just i mean i i wouldn't like say the blanket that you know like like i mentioned last time also right i mean it's easy to mistake everyone in a bull market to be geniuses and everyone in a bear market to be duds i don't think that's the case i mean it's not the case that everyone knows what they're doing or no one knows what they're doing right i mean somewhere in between right we kind of know what we're doing sometimes i just feel i mean simply given the economic incentives right now i mean india will stand to benefit right forget about a china plus one strategy there is no china strategy right now at this point for some of the mm-hmm. uh, startup funds and what not right i mean because you've seen what's happened how the entire ecosystem has imploded over the last like 6 to 8 months or so and china of course there's a lot of uncertainty in fact right now right with the lockdowns persisting with their zero covid uh, policy and with the communist party elections uh, upcoming in october right i mean there's just a heck of a lot of uncertainty so in that case i mean who's going to benefit you know i mean it's it's going to be someone like india right so that's what i would say 
in fact i mean i saw a jason lemkin tweet i know we're going to talk about jason's other tweet but i saw jason lemkin's tweet saying that if this is a downturn then this is the least bad downturn i have ever been through wow yeah that that has some optimism in it all right for this week's uh, talk of town we have picked jason lemkin's tweet where he quotes gartner spending on saas in 2020 it was 120 billion dollars 2021 is 152 billion 2022 is 177 billion dollars and it's predicted that by 2023 it'll go up to 208 billion dollars wow so worry less about a few tweets more about the opportunity ahead and here right now go sell something i mean that's exactly what i was saying that just you know hunker down and build you know i mean the market is growing you know there are so many problems to solve the world is getting a lot more sassified and stuff right that's really all you have to do i mean you have to tune out the noise and focus on the problem that you're trying to solve focus on your customers focus on value creation right and just go build i mean i i saw some interesting video clips on people dunking on startups saying this whole thing is a valuation game and it's a circus and what not i feel like that's just a like a total mischaracterization i mean there's some of that that happens obviously right i mean like they say right don't hate the player hate the game well it is what it is business models are set up in a certain way and uh, you really have to uh, you know like i think charlie munger also says this right show me the incentives and i'll show you the outcome or something of that sort so i i don't think it's all bad you know and to kind of mischaracterize the whole thing as a circus i mean that's just being dumb i feel all right so let's talk about some of the conversations which are lined up for this so you already mentioned you'll be talking to pushkar of drip capital yeah. right and i think that'll be a very interesting chat yeah. considering the market sentiment right now yeah. and then we'll be talking with anuj of milap Yeah, so Pushkar uh, runs a very interesting business. Drip uh, operates in about three different uh, geographies, right? U.S., Mexico, and India. Now, these are very different ecosystems to kind of operate in, and they are basically financing SMEs, specifically trade finance. Uh, and given like how the macro situation is and so on, I mean, I, I don't know, like you know, how that impacts the business, uh, right? And I would love to understand, you know, how they're sort of operating you know under these circumstances right they've enabled over 2 billion dollars of transactions we often say that you know india is extremely credit starved and stuff so yeah innovations like this are super important milap i'm sure that all of you have seen their ad on youtube right asking you to donate to one cause or the other uh, it's the largest crowdfunding platform mm-hmm. in india uh, we've had the folks from uh, rangde earlier on the podcast as well right which is more p2p sort of uh, lending and so on milap is definitely interesting i mean i would love to understand how they operate this two sided sort of a marketplace right because i mean if you don't have uh, funders then you don't have uh, you know people people listing their causes with you and sort of vice versa i would say right so so yeah very interesting business looking to understand more nuances of that awesome perfect so folks if you have any questions that you would like us to ask the founders we interview in the podcast do tweet them to us at operator startup or you can also send us a message to our linkedin page which is the startup operator or you can find rest of our uh, social links in the description below but if you would like all of these insights to be delivered straight into your whatsapp inbox don't forget to click the whatsapp link that you will find there if you enjoyed the show do leave us a comment as to how you're doing and what would you like us to talk about in the next roundup and uh, don't forget to share this episode with your operator friends thanks so much and we'll see you again next week hang on i think i'm forgetting something what my dog stepped on a bee get startup operator updates for free 